And so what I'm about to talk to you about in Acts 4 is a church that prays. It's a church that prays. We got uh, online last week and talked to you a little bit about Jesus and how he mandated it. And not only did he mandate corporate prayer, he also he also modeled it. He taught his disciples to pray. He prayed individually. He prayed corporately. And he was very upset when he went into the temple courts, threw the tables in the, and turned over the tables and the money changers. They had marketed. They had marketed the gospel. How I many of the that sounds much like America? I said the American church has marketed the gospel. Buy the latest tape. Buy the latest book. Can I tell you? You need to get your nose in the book. That is still, by the way, the bestseller. How I many know you'll never eradicate the Bible, and you'll never get rid of the church? We are. We're the people of God, and you can't legislate us away. You can't politically knock us down. You can't Facebook and none of that can stop us. I mean, we are the church. You can't censor the people of God. We're going to do what God has told us to do. But in Acts chapter 4, they did the very thing. How many know they didn't have, they didn't have uh, uh, Facebook and they didn't have all the other social media? But how many know they were praising God and they were seeing miracles and they were preaching and singing and they were going around doing good? And the, the, high, the high priests and the religious leaders, hey, the church didn't like it. I said it was the religious people that didn't like it. And they commanded these boys, Peter and James and John, you don't preach in Jesus' name anymore. And if you do, we will bury you. We will make you look like a fool. And boy, did they. They put them in jail and they flogged them and they called them fools for Christ. Because that's what they were. Ignorant and unlearned men. But these ignorant and unlearned men, they showed something to these religious leaders. They showed them what it means to be with Jesus. And they even said it. Chapter 4, verse 13. These are just ignorant and unlearned people. But it appears that they have been with Jesus. Can I tell you, if you want a resume, how many know that's a good thing to have on your resume? It doesn't matter how professional you are or what position you might have gotten yourself into in the church. I mean, if somebody knows that you've been with Jesus, you've got the power of God behind you. Praying prophetic people of God. Taking your rightful place. That's what led me to this series. I don't want to keep you too long. But we spoke, first of all, about Matthew 18, 19, where Jesus deliberately emphasized the significance of praying together. There's power in us praying together. Not minimizing your personal prayer time. I just want trying to make a point here out of the 37 verses um, some were repeated more than once in the gospel. Uh, 33 of them were addressed to plural rather than singular. Jesus promoted us to pray together. He said, where two or three are gathered, in my name there shall I be. That's why it's powerful, because the Lord's there. Amen? How many felt the presence of the Lord here this morning? Because something happens when we sing together, pray together, get in one mind and one accord. Something happens as we gather together in Jesus Name. That's why the religious leaders said, don't do any more teaching, preaching, singing in Jesus' name. There had been other Messiah people come by that gathered 70, 100, 300 people. We know that because chapter 5, Gamaliel, the great leader and in in, in part of the religious leadership, he told them, you know, hey, 
Don't worry about these guys that are following Jesus. You remember the last guy that did it and you got rid of him and nothing happened. They all went away. And then a guy behind him that came to claim to be Messiah, got rid of him and all the people went away. It all died down. Don't worry about it. If it be of God, then let's get with it. And if it's not, it'll go away. But how many know 2,021 years later, we know that Jesus is still being preached around the world. Would somebody help me give God praise? He's not going away. So we, we talked about it. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, I assure you, if two of you, just two, just two we got more than two in here. If just two of you on earth agree about any matter, any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. That's from the mouth of the Lord himself, right? So he modeled it. He mandated it. And today I want to talk to you about the disciples practicing it. It's one thing to know it's true. It's another thing to follow through. Everybody knows the church should pray. Come on. Everybody knows the church should pray. But never has there been a day where the church has been so prayerless, therefore so powerless. And you may be praying on your own, but something happens when God's people get together. So whether you're joining us live or online, we're in the same mind and same accord, right? We're in the same, we're on the same agenda here. In the book of Acts, we see God mightily moving throughout the early church and is connected to unified corporate prayer. Always, you can find it all the way through as we see it. Acts 1, 500 people gathered at the ascension of the Lord, resurrected. 40 days he walked across the earth. 500 people witnessing him at the Sea of Galilee. He's making his final commands. And before he said, go and preach, he said, go and pray. Because listen to me, you don't want to start preaching without praying first. Because Jesus knew was awaiting what was awaiting the apostles. Just a chapter or two later, they're in jail for preaching in his name. So you got to be endued with power. He said, but you go and the promise of the spirit will come. Amen. Go to Jerusalem and do what? Pray. And so they did. They gathered in that place, prayed. In Acts 2, 120 were gathered in the upper room in one mind, one accord, meaning nobody had their own agenda. You see what happens in church a lot of times is we all got a lot of things going on, don't we? I said we all have a lot of things going on, a lot of fears, a lot of timidity, a lot of worries, a lot of concerns, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain. And and we are always, always, by nature, focused on what's going on in my life, in my world. But when we come together, how many know we got to get in together on one point, that God be glorified. Can you say amen? And so they were in one mind, and you know what happened. Pentecost came. And oh, how we need another Pentecost. Could you just praise the Lord with me? We need another Pentecostal outpouring. And it's not going to come except the way it came last time. When everybody comes together in prayer, one mind, with one purpose, that the Lord meet us. In verse uh, 24 of chapter 1, the disciples prayed for wisdom. They had to gather together to know who Judas's replacement would be. They didn't just have meetings. I mean, our annual business meeting that's come up is not another flippant meeting. We have to know the mind of God. We have to have the will of God. I said, we live in a nation where the church better find the mind of God. 
not about whose party you belong to. It's about whose kingdom you belong to. The kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God. And we better be prayed up. So they got in there and they prayed. Found the mind of God from Matthias to become the next of the twelve. They prayed together until they came up with God's will. And so they never, never wanted to do anything without the mind of God. And today our text we see the church gathering together. I want to read it. And I want to go through it with you. If I don't finish, it's okay. We got next Sunday. The big, the biggest challenge in pastoring is every week there's a whole new group. So if you're online, maybe you're better at consistently seeing it. But sometimes we have things that happen and we can't all be there at the same time. But, but you can go online. How many know you can go online? That's the benefit of catching up. So we all stay in the same mind. And I love the fact that a series does that. How many enjoy series? You know where we are. You know where we're going. And you know what we're trying to do is get the people of God together with the burden of praying together. In the text today, we see powerful presence of the Lord inspiring us to pray together and being let go. That was Peter and John. They were in prison. They went to their own companions. That's the family of God and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, that's the people of God, when the church heard that, they raised their voices to God. Can you say amen to that? They raised their voices. They weren't timid and shy. They raised their voices together. If everybody raises their voice, then it doesn't make you feel like a hill when you're the only voice that's raised. But if everybody's quiet, everybody's not going to raise their voice or everybody's going to raise their voice. You understand? It makes people feel awkward when we don't do it together. It's not a solo. This is not a performance. I mean, we're all singing till the whole world knows, right? And so they raise their voices together. I want you to see that and, and understand how powerful it is. You need to hear you pray. I said the devil needs to hear us pray. And you need to hear us pray. When I hear other people pray, the power of the Spirit makes me want to pray too. In agreement. By the way, amen means in agreement. It's not a gender issue. Some preacher somewhere needs to learn that. They pray in agreement. The power of God. Several instances they prayed together in the New Testament. And they were gathering together, lifting their voices. And this is what they said. With one accord, by the way. See that? To God. That's the one they prayed to. Not Mary. Not Father Pablo. Not Pastor Ron. Don't ever pray to me. I didn't die on the cross for anybody. Only Jesus. Can somebody say there's power in Jesus' name alone? His name alone. Not in the name of the assemblies of God, but in the God of the assemblies. We know who we're praying to. And we're praying in one mind, and this is what we're saying. Sovereign Lord. I can't wait to get into this because it's so powerful. <laughs> we, we just heard the Lord say it just a little bit ago. He's sovereign, and he's going to do it. He wants to partner with us. He's given us a commission and a command. How I many know we need to get in with the plan of God in this last day? Don't be alarmed. Don't be forsaken. Don't be fearful. How I many know God's got a plan? What's happening over in Washington is not going to deter or slow down or stop what's happening in the kingdom of God. If anything, it's going to catapult us into the revival he's sending us. Amen? And so... They were, they were praying to sovereign Lord, you are God. Here's what they said. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. 
And who by God, who by the mouth of your servant David, have said, that's what he said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Historical issue for truly against your holy servant Jesus. Back to today or that day whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered, gathered together to do what? Whatever your hand. I love this. Whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. How many know nothing's happening by accident? The Lord is staging a setup, people. Don't be alarmed. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. The greatest day for the church is at hand. I said the time is near. The Lord's getting ready. I said he's getting ready. Now, Lord, here's their request. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants. That's their title. How about that? That with all boldness, they may speak your word. Stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's the power. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled, assembly of God church in Jerusalem, where they assembled, read it, where they assembled together was shaken. And there were all, somebody say all. All filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just the apostles. Not just Peter, James, and John. All of them were filled with the Spirit. And they all spoke the word of God with boldness. The early church prayed. Man, did they pray. And when they did, fire came down from heaven and baptized every one of them. Every one of them were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And they began to praise the Lord in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 4, they were all filled with boldness. Gathering together in prayer. This is Nero's Colosseum. Right? It's a picture in my office. And that's the that's the martyr's last prayer. You talk about a prayer meeting. They allow the lions and the tigers to be in the see that indention where the, the lion came out. They put the door down. They had slat, slatted uh, boards and they would drop blood in there. Just blood. To make the lions and the tigers really hungry. Really hungry. They didn't feed them. They just dropped blood down there. Make them real good and hungry. And then and then, when they put the people of God in the Colosseum. They'd open up that gate and out come the lions and tigers. And they would eat them alive. If that's not enough. The people behind the crowd on the ground there. Are getting burned at the stake. How many know a new day is coming? I'm not here to threaten you or scare you or put fear in your heart. I'm here to hopefully put faith in your heart. If these people can pray in the middle of death, how much more we ought to be able to pray in a pandemic? Pray. Get together and pray. Pray. Political upheaval? Pray. Financial disaster? Pray. Physical problems? Pray. Church going sad? Pray. World going mad? Pray. What else is there? That's what's happening. Nero burned him at the stake. But here's what it says. Scholars say that when they put the torch on them, tar, and lit their bodies on fire, 
they could heard they could be heard screaming at the top of their voice. The fire in me is hotter than the fire on me. I wish the church would get that kind of fire again. You let them burn you at the stake. It doesn't matter. They are not going to do anything except what Jesus said to do. Go pray. Go preach. Go share the love of Jesus. Prayer is profitable. In every chapter you can see it. In every chapter, they prayed together. And we talked about what happened last week. They practiced it this week, though. Right? He sent them to Jerusalem to pray. And they joined in prayer. Gathered in prayer, the power of God came upon them. And the whole church was praying. Let's see what they knew, friends, that maybe we need to know today. Number one, the connection to God through prayer. Verse 23. Look at it. Chapter 4, verse 23. Are you there? Shout amen. And so on their release, Peter, James, and John, or Peter and John, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they lifted their voices in prayer together. Together. They connected to God together. You know, we may be able to connect to God personally. Obviously, the only thing you need to do to connect to God is find Jesus. The first prayer you need to, to uh, talk to God about is a prayer of repentance. Can I hear an amen? When you say, Jesus, forgive me. You have all of me. I surrender to you. Be my Lord and Savior. How many know you can ask whatever you need to after that? But there's a whole pseudo worldly church trying to ask a God they don't know for him to meet needs that they have. How many know prayer is all about relationship? If I don't know you, little chance I'm going to be able to do anything for you. You got to know him. You have to have you have to have Jesus is the key to answered prayer. I said, Jesus, the name of Jesus, the life of Jesus, Jesus in your heart. That's what's going to open the door of heaven. But there's a lot of sinners just acting like they can pray. I'm an alcoholic sinner. I'm a homosexual sinner. I'm just all kind of sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, but I act like I'm a saint. How many of you can't get it confused, world? And there's a whole lot of people that are calling themselves Christian that are not in Christ. How many of sin separates you from God? It doesn't connect you to God. I need some help up here. Sin separates you from God. It doesn't connect you to God. So you can live in sin and claim to be talking to God, but you're not. You're talking to the spirit of the world and self and the devil. You're not talking to God. Because the only way to get to God. I need some help to preach up here. The, I'm going to preach over here because I don't hear much over here. The only way to get to God is through Jesus. I said the only way to get to God is through Jesus. So all these people in the world today, especially in America, they feel like they have the right to go and be and do whatever they want to do and still claim to be Christian. How many know that's a mistake? That's a lie from the very pit of hell. The only way in is through Jesus. It's through Jesus. You can light candles till your fingers burn. Let me go over here and preach to this. I said, how many know there's only one name under heaven whereby a man can be saved? And that's the name of Jesus. 
And when it all comes down in Acts chapter 4, they sent him to jail for one reason. They were talking about Jesus. Have you ever noticed in this nation and in this world, you can talk about God. You can talk about the spiritual being in the sky. You can talk about the supreme one. You can talk about anything. But don't say Jesus. Because if you say Jesus, how many know you set everything else apart? Jesus, he's the mediator. I said he's the connector. And so people are confused. They have believed a lie that you can live in willful disobedience to God and still be connected. It's not true. Say, Pastor, that's not right. That doesn't sound sympathetic or compassionate toward people and your neighbor. Listen, I love everyone. I said, I love the sinner. It's the sin I can't stand. It's the sin that has confused that person from having a connection to God. Do I need to just stop right here and make an altar? Because there's a lot of people in a lot of Pentecostal churches even that are excusing away people's sin. Acting like they have just as much access to church and the altar and God as anybody else. Not true. Not true. Say, well, that's pretty judgmental. You read the Bible and determine what you think. But the truth is, unless you have Jesus, you do not have a connection to God. As much as I love missions, I mean, we got to bring Jesus to the world. We can't go to the world and say, okay, whatever you got is good. We'll just adapt and adopt whatever you got. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is taking the mission to God, to them, through Jesus. There's no redemption any other way. So there's several instances here. And I told you before, I'm not trying to negate the fact that, that personal prayer is not powerful. It is. And keep it. All right. But but chapter six, chapter 12 of Acts, chapter 13, chapter 16, several examples of people praying together, together to connect to God in prayer together. In several instances where people prayed and, and and God moved as well when they were praying by themselves. Ananias, remember that when whenever God uh, saved Paul on the road to Damascus, he was Saul then. Remember that? And, uh, and the Holy Spirit said, hey, go to Straight Street. I love that, don't you? I mean, when you find Jesus, you got to get on Straight Street. Go to Straight Street. There'll be a man by the name. How I many know the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today? He's still speaking to us today. We may not be listening, but this is what he did then. This is how it works now. A connection to God through the Spirit. Go to Straight Street. And there you'll find a man by the name of Ananias. And he will help you. Paul's blind, struck by the power and presence of Jesus. He finds his way with help down to, to Ananias. And the Holy Spirit had already talked to Ananias. How many know the Holy Spirit can speak to more than one person at one time? That's why he's the Spirit. Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away personally, physically. It's more important that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit who can be everywhere at the same time. And he's talking to Ananias about a guy named Saul who's going to come. And Ananias said, Saul, Saul the killer, you want me to lay hands on Saul the killer? How many know it's easy to tell God no when it's uncomfortable? Say, why don't you let Chrissy lay hands on Saul the killer? Not me, Lord. Let Taylor and Chrissy lay hands on him. I remember Melissa and I were in Haiti on a missions trip. Five pastors from Kansas City, and we went to the voodoo temple. And the voodoo witch doctor, the guy, he wanted to get saved. 
How many know the world really does need to get saved and some of them even want to get saved? They want to get saved. They know they're not right. They're just trying to affiliate and associate with us so it doesn't feel so awkward. Are you understanding? That's why they're saying they're Christian. They want to be. And it's easy for them to be. They just choose to stay in their sin and be instead of surrender like you and me did. Are you all with me? So we're in the temple, five pastors. And uh, and so the missionary said, hey, the witch doctor wants one of y'all to pray for him. Who will be glad to pray? Well, as I recall, I don't remember stepping up or saying me, but all the other four pastors stepped back. So I was the volunteer. I was voluntold. So I prayed for that witch doctor. Here's what they said. He wants to be saved so bad. But he knows if he gives his heart to Jesus, he's going to lose his temple. He's going to lose his income. He's going to lose his influence. He's going to be ostracized and minimized and criticized and kicked out of that community. All because of one name. And that name is Jesus. Can I tell you, if you haven't had any persecution or any kind of something, I'm wondering whether you got anything. They were really teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. And boy, it got ugly. Even the even the people didn't want that. But Ananias prayed, and God healed him. Chapter 9, verse 10, God healed Saul. Peter was on the rooftop praying by himself whenever the vision came from God about leading Cornelius to God. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. So God meets you in your personal prayer time. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. How many believe that? Of course he does. But we're trying to teach you the power of coming together in church. We don't come here just to look at you. You look beautiful. Just send me a picture on Snapchat. That'll be good enough. There's no reason for you to be here just to look at you. I mean, no. There's a purpose in gathering together in the name of the Lord. It's powerful. It's powerful as we pray together, sing together, worship together, work together. Community of God. So all prayer is powerful profitable and personal but we're dealing with corporate prayer back to fourth chapter of acts they knew they already knew that john and peter were in jail they had already got the scoop right it's jerusalem they read the jerusalem post they knew the scoop and guess what they were already gathered before peter and john got there knocked on the door and told them the story they were already gathered jake they were already praying. I mean, we ought to be prayed up. We ought to be prepared and praying. You shouldn't start your prayer preparation when you walk through the door of the foyer. I mean, you ought to pray it all week. You shouldn't start your praise and get your praise on when you get in here. I mean, you should have been praising Jesus all week long. So that when you walk in here, dynamite happens. But in our churches today, we have to like crank it up like the old Ford Model T. How many know there's a lot of work that the church needs when it comes to praying together? So, well, that's just not me. That's just not me. God put me on a deserted island. I'll pray by myself and I'll make it to heaven. That's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. Thank God for all of us in here. How many know there's a lot of people out there? Your family, your friends, your loved ones, your work, people you work with, they need Jesus. And so we're dealing with corporate prayer. 
And we need to know. So first thing they do is learn that it's connecting God. God coming before us, us coming before God. In other words, prayer brings God to us when we call in him in unity. We may not get past number one, but I'm not getting the response I need. So I'm not getting off of number one until you say amen. All right, I figured that would happen. Verse 23, they go back to their own people, the church, report all that happened. They'd already been in prayer, the whole bunch, and they knew the situation. It was not an accidental off-the-cuff meeting. This was intentional prayer meeting. I feel like today is one of those moments in our history as a nation that the church ought to be praying. I said, how many know this is a pivotal point in America's history? As last week was a pivotal point in our nation, the church should respond to the situation and pray. We're not going to be able to do anything other than pray. And it's, it's a sad thing that we resort to praying after the fact. I mean, no, prayer ought to be before the fact. We should be prayed up, not worried. And so our nation is setting itself for a disaster. They're setting itself up. Just as God is setting us up for revival. But the world is setting us up for disaster. But we can't have a miracle without a problem. Everybody wants a miracle, but they don't want to have a problem. Can I tell you the first ingredient to a miracle? A problem. A problem. So here we have one. They they come together and they begin to pray, opening up to God about the thing. So so we cry out to God, and jo- he joins our agenda, right? No, no, no. We cry out to God and ask God to help us to join his agenda. That's the difference between prayer in America, American church, and Christian, eternal, godly, word of God praying. We say, God, we want to get involved with what you're doing. I said, Old Grove wants to connect to God in prayer. What are you doing, God? Should we be alarmed? I'll read this text and you see. Doesn't look like they were very uh, alarmed. They were concerned. They were praying. But it comes by, change comes by praying, not politics. Come on, church. So, So we're asking God what is on his heart rather than telling God what is on ours. So we must connect to the answer, which is our awesome God. Amen. Augustine gave a... A pretty awesome thing. Describe prayer as a, a man floating in a drifting boat. And he throws a rope out over to the rock. And, uh, <laughs> and so the rock is the one who provides security and stability for the helpless man. Not the other way around. I said prayer is not us pulling our way to God. Prayer is getting a hold of God and that God is pulling us to him. James 4.8. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. How many know the powerful one is not us? It's God. I said, we need to know who the source of power is. It's God. And and lasso that rock. It's not the man pulling the rock to the boat. It's the rock that stays steady during the pull. So Jesus is the rock. Can anybody shout amen to that? And through prayer, we throw that rope and bring ourselves to God. Draw near to God. Our problem is that we focus so much on ourselves and our needs and our problems And we don't center ourselves on God. So the most powerful prayer is prayer offered to God by the people who are united together by the Holy Spirit. That was what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 2. 
And that's what can happen today. Amen. Anything's possible when God's people come together and pray. So as a church, we're responding to God who hears us. How many believe God hears us? They spoke loudly, not because God was deaf, but because they wanted everybody to know. Do you know there's probably people on the other side of the fence with binoculars wondering what are those people doing in there every week? I mean, we're touching the heart of God. That's what we're doing, right? If they come in, they ought to feel the power of God, right? So sudden. The presence of God is perceived when we respond to God, and we know he is with us, working and moving and hearing and answering and all that we're praying. Not just the apostles, everybody was praying, and they were concerned enough to gather in one place, in one purpose, in one mind, and that's when the Spirit moves. So let's let's look at the content, not just the connection, but what happens when we come together. We connect to the solution, right? We open ourselves up to God, and he will answer, right? Jeremiah said, call on the Lord, and he will answer. So America needs us to pray. It comes through praying, not through politics. So uh, every new day demands a new, fresh anointing from the Lord. How many believe that? Acts chapter 2 said they came together in prayer, and they and they uh, had the Spirit would fill them to overflowing. And give them an anointing to speak the word of God with boldness. That was the purpose, to empower them for the the thing to come. So the content was verse 24. They lifted their voice and prayed. Sovereign God. Now listen to this. These three things, if you're taking notes, jot them down. Sovereign God means his, it's a word that in the word Lord, sovereign Lord, is a word that means uh, omnipotent or powerful ruler. Powerful ruler. So so what they were saying is, hey, sovereign God, the only one who's more powerful than what anyone else or anything else can do, we call on you. Omnipotent, all-powerful one. Omniscient one, and that is the all-knowing one. How many know God knows what you need before you even pray? He already knows what you need. Hey, it's a teaching moment. He already knows what you need. He's not, he's not uh, have amnesia. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows right the situation you are in. He knew John and Peter was in jail. He knew they were flogged for preaching his name. That's why he told them to get endued with power. They're going to need the power of God. Can I tell you folks where we're going as a church in America today? We're going to need more of God, not less. We're going to need more church, not less. We're going to need more prayer, not less. That's why we got to gather together. The omnipresent one, the all present God. And listen, every time you come together, they recognize God as creator of all things. Listen, if every time you pray together or individually, if you don't take into account his omniscience, his omnipresence and his omnipotence, you pray in unbelief. You don't believe if you don't believe he's all powerful. What in the world you're praying about? If God can't handle your situation, who are you talking to? Does anybody here believe in sovereign God? All-powerful God who can take care of the Sanhedrin or the Congress. So they recognize him as sovereign over all things. And when they heard, they lifted their voices in one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. Look at this which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, right? You're the ruler. (laughs) And they prayed to the sovereign God who was creator of all things and in charge of all things. Why? Why did they do that? Because prayer 
is a request to God. It's not just, it's not just a, a response to God. It's a request to God. We have a need, Lord. How many came today with a need on your heart? Okay. I'm sure we all did. But when we come together, they came together for one reason. To pray about Peter and John. Are you seeing that? Any two people come together and gather together about one thing. One mind. One thing on the agenda. How many know America needs to be the one thing on our mind right now? How many believe God can bring healing to our country? How many believe God can get rid of and eradicate hatred in our nation? How many believe God can bring unity in America? Oh, so you haven't watched TV, have you, little pastor? You haven't watched a whole lot of TV. Listen, I don't have to watch TV. I have to read my Bible. Fox News is not the most important thing to me. Or Max, News Max. I mean, you follow everything as if it's godly. Everything on TV is not real, you know. Somebody's making money out of that. So you just can't be gullible. Well, they're speaking truth. They're speaking a truth. They're not speaking the truth. Okay. Okay. So knowledge is God giving us insight, omniscience over all things, past, present, and future. He is powerful over all things. Omnipresent means he's everywhere present at the same time. Right? But but this is what was happening. Because they were having problems with the same, uh, the, the, the some, uh, some of all of that. What is all of that? When they told and reported all that happened, what is all that? It's the Sanhedrin. Was there all that? The Sanhedrin so, said to them, you preach in Jesus' name again, we're going to kill you. We're going to arrest you. We're going to flog you. Right? Chapter 4. Chapter 5, we realize they kept on going, don't we? And then the chapter 5, they said, we must only preach Jesus. And that's when he says they realized that these men had been with Jesus. Uneducated, unlearned men, but they had the power of God. Remember the day when the church, little old country church, didn't have much of a reputation, but they had the power of God? Remember that? Uneducated preacher, didn't have any Bible school, no seminary, but he'd get up and preach the word of God, the unction of the Holy Spirit, and people would be convicted, come and get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. You remember that day? It doesn't take an education. It takes the power of God. we got to get back to what really made it happen. We've educated ourselves out of a move of the Spirit. They prayed. Sovereign God. Look, look, they looked Beyond the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were a part of the problem. And they were God's creatures. And God is their creator. So they didn't say, take care of the Sanhedrin, Lord. They said, you're the creator over the Sanhedrin. You know what they're doing to us. I mean, the Lord knows what's happening in America. It's like, oh my, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, the Lord's still Lord over America. He's still Lord over the Ozarks. And he's still Lord over Oak Grove Assembly of God. So what happened? They looked beyond the creature and the creation to the creator. They looked beyond the visible problem to their invisible God. Part of God's creation was giving them a hard time. The Sanhedrin was giving them a hard time. So they prayed to sovereign God, appealed to him, the creator, who, who is sovereignly in charge. That's what prayer is. How I many know we need to be responding and, re, and re, requesting from the one who has the power to change it? 
sovereign Lord. Look at it closer. Not only did they recognize he's creator of all things, but they, they understood that him to be the in control of all things, right? He's in control of all things. Verse 26 and 27. To do, look at verse 28, to do what whatsoever your hand determined to do beforehand to be done. God is in control. Hey, at home, if you're listening, God is in control. If you're sick with the COVID, God's still in control. If the world's going mad, God's still in control. If you stubbed your toe in the night, God's still in control. You know, I'm ready to pray about everything. People say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I stop right there. Time out. Let's pray right now. Right now. Oh, well, you just go on. You don't have to pray for me. Well, you must not have an urgent need. Because you asked me to pray. I'm ready to pray right now. Right? Right now. So they really don't really want you to pray. They're just telling you. They, that's complaining. I mean, if you really wanted an answer, you would see change. You'd pray right now. May not be that big of a deal. Look at this motley crew, okay? They said, they said, Lord, verse 26 and 7, the kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against the holy child, Jesus, watch this, whom you have anointed, that puts God in control of that, right? But Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and the Jews were all gathered together against him. Can I tell you, if Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the Jews can gather, how many know it's time for the church to gather? The enemy doesn't have a hard time gathering. I remember Jake and Joanna telling me they got to Thailand and they had a gathering for a statue, a new statue, and everybody gathered, and the Spirit came and went into the statue. How many know they're gathering? I said, church, they are gathering together for the spirit to come into that statue. I mean, it's time for the church to gather together for the spirit to come into the church. We are the temple of the living God. How many know it's working for the evil ones and it's not for us? Why? Because we refuse to gather. They only have one purpose when they gather. I said, they only have one purpose when they gather. You know, the. Best times that we have in prayer at Oak Grove is when we open the altar. Because everybody has a need. And man, you'll flock to this altar. So you want to know when the church is going to pray again? When they have a problem. Because when you have a personal problem, you come. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Me, 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 me. And I don't want to downsize your problem. But how many know we got bigger problems than your stubbed toe? We don't have a problem coming up for selfishness. Pray for me. And I love praying for you. I want to pray for you. I want you to get healed. But how many know we got some big problems coming to America? Big problems are coming to America. If they're censoring people on on the web, how many know they're going to start censoring us in person? Very soon, they'll tell you you can't preach anymore in Jesus' name. And you can't say anything derogatory against this people or that people. And you can't preach against sin anymore. And that's when you'll visit me at the jail. Who's willing to start a jail ministry so pastor can get ministered to? 
The persecuted church in Acts 4 looked back to the darkest hours of their life, that day when their hopes and dreams were crushed. Jesus is hanging on a cross, and he died, and he was buried, and they got an eternal perspective, one that I'm trying to give you today. Christy, come on back, and I'm about to preach this later on. You and uh, Taylor and your team. If it's true with Jesus, look at this. If it's true with Jesus, how much more is it true in their situation and ours? They said, Lord, sovereign Lord, we look back at how Satan thought he won when Jesus was hanging on the cross. But you knew beforehand that what Satan's plot and Judas's thing and the high priest was doing to Jesus was not catching God off guard. He already knew. I said he anointed Jesus to die. Jesus came to die. Jesus told Pilate, you're not taking my life. I'm laying it down for the world. You see the difference? That's a person who's in control. And Pilate said to Jesus, don't you know, Mr. Jesus, that I have control over you, life or death? And he looked at Pilate and said, hey, you have no control that I didn't already give to you. That's a person in control. I don't see Jesus intimidated. I know he was, I know he was crushed, taking on the way to the world in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was crushed because of the assignment. He who knew no sin was at the Garden of Gethsemane praying that the sin would not come upon him. He was pure and spotless lamb. And he took all the sins of the world. Every pedophile, every murderer, every homosexual, every alcoholic, every drug addict. Jesus paid the price for every one of them. So don't ever tell the church they are not sympathetic toward the lost. Just just know that the church is saying, as I was lost and as you were lost and as they are lost, there's only one way to come in. There's only one way to get it right. It's not judgmentalism because Jesus didn't come in the world to condemn the world. He came that the world might be saved. But if they think in their mind they're getting saved by their own way, I mean, they're going to be very, very lost. You don't get saved on your own conditions and terms. Got to read the fine print written in red. There is no other name under heaven whereby a man can be saved other than the name of Jesus. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Absolute sovereign God, we need you. We need your perspective today. The church is trying to cater and coddle the lost, convincing them that they're saved without making a commitment to Jesus. And absolute sovereignty is over all the world today. So we pray together. God of Herod and Pilate and the enemies of God can get together. The church ought to be able to get together today and pray. I'm going to stop and we're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our nation. Would you stand with me? I'll finish this some other day. I think it's imperative that we pray. Make me a house of prayer, Lord, is our prayer. I hope you take these prayer guides. If you're lost today, listen. If you bought into the idea online, listen to me. If you bought into the idea that you can willfully live in sin and walk in sin, disobedience to God, and still be a Christian, you need to really talk to somebody that is alive from the pit of hell. 
The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. We love you. If you want to come to Oak Grove, we'll be glad to talk to you about it. Take take that wrong thinking out of your brain and put the truth of the word of God in you. If you think you can get to heaven through any other means than Jesus, you're really, really sadly mistaken. And it's not just an earthly mistake. It's an eternal mistake. It's an eternal mistake. How many know your neighbor needs to know Jesus is the only way? This all-inclusive idea that everybody's going their own way is not healthy. It's not godly. It's not biblical. I know you have compassion on family and friends that are confused. But you got to tell them the truth. Tell them while they can. You need boldness. They ask for boldness. How many is asking for boldness today? Let me see your hand. Say, God, give me boldness. Give me boldness. I know I've got family. I've got friends dealing with uh, same-sex attraction and confusion in the head. And they and they tell me, Pastor Ron, I'm born again. I'm a Christian. I go to church. Go to Assembly God Church. And I look at them and say, listen, listen. I know you want to be. I know you want to be. But you're not. And it's not thus saith Ron Moran, it's thus saith the Lord. I need that to get into your spirit, folks. Because there's a vicious lie going around America. And that's why everybody thinks they're saved. That's why it's hard to see people saved, because everybody's saved. But if you're here today, online or live, you believed a lie. We have this altar open for you. Jesus really did die. I said, how many know Jesus really did die? And he died for every wicked, vile, evil person on the planet. He died for every person on the planet. He died for Republicans and Democrats. So don't go be judging people, stereotyping people. Just call it is what it is, sin or not sin. Get it right or you're going to get left. Beautiful song they sang earlier. We're going to call on Sovereign God, who's creator of all things and controller of all things. We'll finish the rest later. If you have somebody in your family, friends, relatives that need the Lord, I invite you to come. Bring them to the Lord. Bring them to the altar. If you have a burden you're going through, personal or not, bring it to the altar. But what we're here for the next few minutes and all night tonight is for prayer for our nation to come together and believe God. For God loves America and God can still bless her. If you have a heart for this country, may your heart for God be greater than your heart for the country. But if you have a heart for this country, I pray that you make it make your way up here or turn around in your pew, however you want to do it. Let's surrender ourselves to the Lord and call on the sovereign Lord who is able to take and save and heal and deliver us. God bless you.